0: What is up, everybody? Happy, happy Monday. Hope you guys had a wonderful weekend and you're ready for some TNC. As uh, you can see, we're going on pretty early today. It is about 10 30, just actually, it's 10 20 uh, Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we normally go on, well, back in the day, we we're going at 5 p.m., right? Lately, it's been about 3 p.m. Guys, today, this is the only time that I can squeeze in a, about an hour to do a show. So I hope that uh, you guys appreciate it. Um, I know a lot of you are at work right now or at school, or maybe you're 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 traveling. You're on the train, whatever. Going to work, to school, whatever it is. Uh, hopefully, you guys can listen in. Won't be doing calls right now because I figure again, most of you guys are at work or something, so you're not going to be able to call in right now anyway. So um, we'll go without phones. I'll rant for about uh, forty-five minutes, maybe an hour. We got a lot of things to cover, and I got a lot of things to make fun of <laughs> and, and rant about. So we'll do that, uh, and yeah. All right, so this is the neutral corner episode 362. TNC 362 for the week of what I don't even know where the hell are we. Uh, October 21st, I think, uh, this Saturday. Guys, uh, a week from today, next Monday, October 23rd, is my daughter Jacqueline's first birthday. So how awesome is that? And just a week after that, two Mondays from now, My wife is due to give birth to our second baby. So there's a lot going on right now. The house is about to get even crazier. The Montero Manor is about to get even nuttier than it already is. Uh, Not getting much sleep these days. That's about to get even worse for a little while, but it's going to be awesome. Anyway, yeah, man, uh, next Monday is my daughter Jackie's first birthday birthday. So, uh, undecided if I'll do a show or not, maybe I'll do a quick show and bring her on to come say hi to you guys and stuff. Uh, We'll see what happens. Then again, it might just be family time, you know? Uh, We'll see. It's, you know, it's not like we can really do anything. She's a year old. It's not like we're gonna really go anywhere or do anything. So we might just be chilling here at the house and uh, maybe I'll, I'll come on live just for a real quick show or something. We'll see what happens, all right? Although I gotta say the schedule is kinda dry. For, for the next really, for the next month, uh, there's a couple of fights here or there. I'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, let's get on with it, man. Um, so news wise, um, some pretty big news. Um, uh, Naoya Inoue versus Marlon Tapolis. Apparently, that is official. I don't know if it's officially official, but it's 2023 sources boxing media official right now, okay, for December 26th in Tokyo. Japan has a long tradition of doing fight cards around that time, Uh, like the last week of the year up to the uh, the final day of the year. You know, New Year's. They they usually do cards right around there. It's it's very very common. Uh, It's part of the tradition and culture there in Japanese boxing. So this would make total sense for them to put on a show like this the day after Christmas. And um, man, look, I talked, (coughs) I tweeted about this actually uh, today. We'll talk about it more, of course, as the date gets closer. Um, wow, December 26th. I was just thinking in my head, my, my second daughter will be about two months old by then. Maybe by then I'll be getting some sleep. <laughs> we'll see. But, um, you know, if Naoya way can pull this off, and, and obviously I favor him big. I favor him big. But I do think Topolis is going to be a um, a better opponent than people anticipate. Because a lot of people think is just going to mow this guy down in two or three rounds. No, I think it's actually going to be competitive. But obviously, I favor the monster big. If he can pull this off, guys, that is undisputed in two-weight classes in the four-belt era within a calendar year. Because, you guys, a lot of you are forgetting. At Bantamweight, way didn't get full undisputed until last December when he fought Paul Butler. I want to say Butler had the WBO, but I can't remember for sure. He had one of them. He had one of the belts. In a way, he had the other three. And it was the Butler fight where he went undisputed. That was in December last year. So, if within a calendar year and within just two fights, Fulton and Tapolis, he's able to go undisputed in a second weight class, that is unprecedented. That has just never been done in this era. Now, have things like that been done in previous eras where there was one belt, two belts, things like that? Yes, that's happened plenty of times throughout boxing history. It's still rare, it's still rare. but for uh, for in a way to do that in the four belt era, look man, he would definitely be my fighter of the year, and the pound for pound debate, that'll be a tough debate, you know So, so uh, the last show of the year you know, here at TNC, we might, we might be debating who's the pound for pound number one guy. And it's going to be heated because if, again, if Inouye pulls this off, I do think people overrate the undisputed thing. It's 90% politics. It's still a hell of an accomplishment, but a lot of times it's due to politics. Right. But in the case of Inouye, it's not like he's, uh, set up in promotionally to where he has this great advantage and everything's in his favor. He's had to travel He's had to go through a tournament. He's had to fight fighters from all over the world to get all these belts. It's not like he's had everything his way and he's had some promotional advantage. So it's really impressive, man. It's really, really impressive if he pulls this off. So um, I really, really hope that does come through and sources uh, work out. We've got a super chat from my man, CJ Duncan. What's up, my friend? Thank you. He says early TNC on the left coast. Best wishes for baby number two. Thank you, sir. And I'm just thinking, wow, you're up early. I was going to say you're up earlier, CG, but then again, you're a father. So yeah, I get it. Uh, 7.30 over there on the left coast. Um, Yeah, wow. So you guys are just waking. You're having TNC with your morning coffee. Come on. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. All right. Oh, Vive Network is on the guys from the WBC channel. Vive Network is who makes it all work, guys. They're watching. Um, I'm thinking that's Danielle watching. Danielle, if that's you, uh, good morning. I think you're with an hour behind us, so it's it's you've probably already had your morning coffee. Maybe you're on cup number two watching the show. Anyway, tell the crew what's up, and uh, hope you guys are doing well. All right, Um, let's see here. Oh, wheelchair man, John says, uh, I appreciate these morning shows. Give me something to listen to in the morning. Yeah, John, I think um, eventually this is probably how we're going to do it uh, because I just, I'm trying to think, I don't think anyone else is doing a morning show. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are tons of people doing morning shows, but it might be kind of fun to just hit it like first thing Monday morning like this uh, in the future. That might be the way I do it and it might work out it just might be the most convenient way for me to do it with my new <laughs> uh lifestyle with with uh, the babies, you know, me being up early and everything. so um, yeah, uh, this might be something we do in the future. I'm testing it out today. All right, guys, let's go back uh to Saturday which was two days ago, October fourteenth, and let's review these shows. so so they were two mainstream shows. And then there was this misfits thing. We're gonna include that. Now I didn't preview this show. I, I gotta be honest. I didn't preview it last week because I didn't even know what was happening. I had heard of it and I knew that it was upcoming but I didn't know the date, the location, anything. And I'm not saying that, when I say this stuff, guys, when I say like, I'm not watching Fury and ganu I'm not trying to sound like some cool hipster, boxing hipster guy that, you know, that's beneath me, man, I'm not watching that it's that's not really what I'm trying to do. I, I know it comes off that way to some of you guys. And you're like, come on, dude, you're gonna be watching. I'm being honest. I'm not, there, there's just certain things I'm not interested in watching. It, it doesn't mean that I'm shitting all over it. I have at times, you know, but like, if I say I'm not watching it, I'm not watching it. I'm, I wasn't I am particularly interested in this Misfits boxing product. I haven't been. So I haven't watched any of these shows. I think they're all on zone. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be dead wrong about some of this. But these are the shows that have l- literally like porn stars fighting on them. And, and uh, you know, obviously YouTubers and stuff, but like they're all over the place. Kind of the, the ratchet stuff that Triller was doing, which was like a Jerry Springer kind of boxing thing. Uh, it seems to me Misfits has taken over that that realm. And they saw a little niche there and they've tapped into it. Look, I get it. It's profitable, and there are people out there that watch it. So I understand it. It's just not something I'm particularly interested in. But a bunch of you guys asked me about this over the weekend. So I went back. Now, I didn't watch these fights, but I watched highlights and saw some of the things that happened. And I just want to give my opinion on a few things, and then we'll move on to the real pros, okay? Um, So on this show, Tommy Fury fought KSI. Now, Tommy Fury, I think, recently beat Jake Paul right and that was jake paul's first fight against an actual boxer and then uh fury fought ksi i think this was the first time ksi fought a boxer too so tommy fury wins a very close fight this was actually i want to say this was closer than fury's fight with jake paul but again correct me because i might be dead wrong on that i believe fury beat jake paul right i think um i don't know anyway um So Fury is now 2-0 against these misfit boxer guys. Okay, cool. Some people are disputing the decision, but um, a few people that I trust who watch this because you guys are degenerates and you know how to score fights said that Fury won. It was close, but Fury legitimately won. Okay, whatever. The fact that this was competitive at all and and the Jake Paul fight was competitive with Fury, uh, it, it shows you Tommy Fury's level, number one, But it also shows you that Jake Paul, KSI, and even Logan Paul, who I'll talk about in a second, these guys do take their training seriously. And they actually seem to have a sort of dedication to the sport of boxing that I can appreciate and respect. I'm not trying to call these guys elite level fighters. They never will be. They don't deserve to be ranked by a sanctioning organization or anything like that. But I can appreciate the dedication, going through multiple training camps, doing multiple fights. I understand personally from life experience the the commitment that takes, okay? So um, I'll give them that much credit. So anyway, Fury beats KSI. And then Logan Paul and this uh, MMA guy, Dylan D- Danis? Danis, I don't know if it's Danis or Danis, uh, ends the disqualification because Dylan just freaked out at the very end of the fight. I think this was another six rounder. He freaked out and like tried to basically tackle Paul and it just got all ugly. And then there was a big melee in the crowd or the, the ring and in the crowd. And um, I think Todd Grisham was doing the, the fight announcements and he was uh, liking it to Andrew Galada, Riddick bow. Uh, yes, there are parallels, but I I don't know if I'd make that comparison just because of the level of fight that we saw and Danis had had been i gotta give this guy credit i don't i don't know anything about this guy okay i just know he's an mma guy i don't know if he was a champion or anything about him i really don't but i know that he was trolling logan paul hard coming into this fight uh talking about his his girl who apparently has been ran through more than the treadmill at your local la fitness right um and so he was using that to his advantage to psychologically kind of torture Logan Paul, who apparently is going to marry this thought, this uh, 304 is the call. Um, so, okay, uh, I, I could appreciate those mind games and, and you know, go, going after a dude's girl like that um, is pretty, pretty low, but it's effective, especially if there's truth to what you're saying. If there was no truth to it, then Paul would laugh it off. But there's a little bit from what I've heard, there's a little bit of truth to some of the things this guy was saying. And it looks like Logan Paul might be entering a Will Smith, Jada Pinkett kind of situation if he ain't careful and pulls the plug on that whole thing. Anyway, that's not not the kind of channel we do here. We're not even talking about that gossip crap. But um, I can appreciate the mind games. But then, dude, you got to get in the ring and back that shit up. And from what I hear, this guy looked like absolute trash. He didn't do anything and lost the fight badly and embarrassed himself. He kind of pulled a uh, an even weaker version of Jermell Charlo that he just pulled against Canelo. Um, so he really, really embarrassed himself. And then the melee at the end of the fight, which he started, just really, really, again, I, I saw some people tweeting about this and I saw the videos, you know, on X. And some people were like, oh my God, what a circus, or this, that, the other. And it, it is, but... My question to you guys out there is, were you expecting anything different? It is is your money and you can spend your money the way you want. And I'm not gonna, some of you just straight up admit, dude, I love the freak show. I love the circus. I wanna buy this shit because I love watching absolute human freak shows. It's why Jerry Springer was, I want to say at one point, it might've been the number one show on television. It was actually, I I know it was the number one talk show. Believe that or like that's crazy, right? But believe it or not, um, it was highly, highly rated for years, whether it was late nineties or probably early two thousands because people love that train wreck, right? So, So like, I get it, but for you purists out there who are, um, worried about the sanctity of boxing. And I used to be one of those guys until I unplugged from the matrix. Uh, And really it was when my daughter was born where it was just like epiphany, like, why do I care about this shit so much? Um, I haven't thought the same way since. Anyway, for those of you out there, my question is, do you expect anything less? Anything more or less than what you're getting from these shows? And for those of you who have bought these and then you're complaining about how shitty the fights were and how poor the quality of the fighting was from this Dylan Dennis guy and, and the like, my question to you is, you've, we've had about a dozen or so of these shows by now, right? Have you not seen a pattern? This is what you're buying. This is the product. It's, it's easy to do like a little highlight reel on X or Instagram and make it look like you kind of know what you're doing, especially to like the casual observer. You can hit a bag or hit mitts and kind of make it look somewhat like you're somewhat competent, um, to the, again, to the untrained, unsophisticated eye, especially, but to get in there and actually fight is very, very different. And a lot of you guys don't understand. A lot of you guys have hit bags and done some sparring and maybe even one or two amateur fights. And you think that, oh man, I got this. It's different when you get under them bright lights. Very, very different, even if it's a club show. And um, I think a lot of these dudes are figuring that out when they step into the ring in these misfit boxing fights. But a lot of you guys that keep buying this stuff, I'm like, dude, look, it's you're spending your money, so you have the right to complain. I, I, I get it. But my question to you again is, Did you not see the last three, four, five times, you know, you bought one of these shows. Did you not see how the fighting was on those shows? Like, are are you that surprised? And then, um, I don't know how to, how to word this, but, um, I, I just, nothing changes. It's the same thing over and over. You're getting the same product and you're expecting something different. You know, it, it, you get to a point where it's like, um, that guy, that friend that you have, that's always having drama with girlfriends, right? They're always fighting, they're breaking up, they're getting back together. But, And finally you go, Hey, Billy, maybe the problem's you. Maybe it's not the, the women you're dating. Maybe it's you. Well, that's what I'm saying here. Right. And again, it's your money. Spend it the way you want. But, um, you know, when these things first started happening, I used to get annoyed because again, I used to be one of those, you know, I must uphold the sanctity of boxing guys. And now I realize this sport don't give a shit. Why should we give a shit back? Right. Um, but I used to like have an attitude about these guys. Cause I'd be like, man, these dudes are skipping ahead in line. They're there. This Jake Paul guy, because he's some celebrity on YouTube he could just walk into a boxing ring and make millions of dollars and be fighting on Showtime, ESPN, zone. He's fought on every damn platform, Triller. And there's other guys out there who have had 200 amateur fights and they're going pro fighting on four rounders, making a thousand bucks a fight. This isn't right. You know, I used to have that attitude. And then I realized what it, what it all is. Um, I'm not even mad at these YouTuber guys, especially the ones like the Paul brothers and KSI who have now had multiple fights the only thing i still have a little bit of an attitude about is they didn't have to earn their pro license through the amateurs so for those of you who don't know um to get your pro license you have to have at least five amateur fights and you have to have a winning record to even apply right so i had to go through those steps to get my pro license i had to have i had six but it just a certain amount of fights you have to have a winning record um the, all that stuff right and, and these guys I want to say and again correct me if I'm wrong because I could be but I want to say the Paul brothers KSI they had like one amateur fight each maybe two but I believe it was just one and in the case of was it Logan Paul who lost his I think it was zero and one as an amateur something like that and then he ends up getting a pro card so all these guys skipped ahead In in, in line, it didn't have to earn it through the amateurs. That's the one thing I'll still have a little bit of an attitude about. And so keep that in the back of your mind as I continue with my rant here. But the people that I'm more annoyed with, and again, I'm not losing sleep over this shit. I'm just, I'm nitpicking here, but if you guys ask my opinion, I'm giving it to you. The people I'm more mad at is some of these MMA dudes. And I don't want to get into a big boxing versus MMA thing. That's not what this is, okay? I respect the hell out of uh, MMA fighters and all fighters of all disciplines, okay? That's not what this is about. But there's a handful of these guys. Dylan Dennis is the last one here, the the most recent one, where these guys honestly think, oh, because I'm a fighter and I fight in a sport at a very, very high level, right? Uh, cause a lot of these guys are former champions and stuff. they're they're faded, they're they're older, but they're still high level, uh, very, very accomplished fighters in their martial art, their discipline. They think, man, I can go just hit mitts with Freddie Roach or some you know celebrity boxing coach for for a few months, hit the heavy bag, do some footwork drills, and I can hang. I can be a boxer. That is kind of disrespectful. Again, I'm not losing any sleep. I'm just saying to have that arrogance and attitude about it shows how little these guys respect boxing and most of them, it's a one-off. They come and do one boxing match against Jake Paul, Logan Paul, KSI, whoever it is, lose, get their bag. And oftentimes it's the biggest payday they've ever received because they don't get paid jack shit over in the UFC. They're being brutally raped over there. So in that respect, I don't blame them for wanting to come over. But they come over, they worked with Freddie Roach, again, just hitting mitts, you know, posting shit on YouTube. It's what Francis and is doing right now. Do it for a few months, come over, get your bag, and never come back to boxing. It just shows they never gave a shit about boxing in the first place. They don't care. They don't respect it. They're coming over to get a quick payday and then they're going back over to being butt raped in their sport. And again, I respect these guys as fighters. I respect their sport. I'm just saying, we know the finances. Well, their fans don't know, but we in boxing know how how greatly they're being uh, taken advantage of. Uh, But I got more of an attitude with them. I got more of an attitude with Dylan Danis for what he just did than I do Logan Paul or KSI. You know what I'm saying? Because at least Logan Paul and KSI and Jake Paul, and maybe there's others, but those are the three that I know of. Uh, by the way, I had no idea who these people were before they got to boxing. No idea. Okay. But I recognize they're celebrities, particularly if you're 25 and under these guys, you, if you're 21, you look at Jake Paul, the way I looked at Sylvester Stallone growing up, which is mind blowing to me, but I get it. I get it. Anyway, those guys have put together now what four or five fights each. Again, they skipped ahead in line with the amateur system. They got a little bit of an attitude about that, but that's not on them. But as pros, they've put together multiple training camps, right? They've had to make weight. They've had to get in shape. They've had to go through the sparring. That it, it, They've had to, all the medicals, the weigh-in, the press conferences. Having been through that crap myself now, I, I understand the sacrifice and the commitment That requires and the emotional toll it takes on you, as well as the physical toll. Now, these guys are half my age, so it's a lot easier for them, but still, I recognize what they've had to do now to do four or five fights. So I give them that much respect. And it also shows that to a certain extent, they value and respect the sport of boxing. So I give them that credit. Who I'm really, really mad at here. And again, I'm not mad. Okay. I'm just saying who annoys me the most in this entire equation. And then I'll move on is the boxing establishment because here's the bottom line, Jake, Paul, Logan, Paul, KSI, whoever else, they skipped ahead. They didn't have to do their five amateur fights, right? They were able to do one, maybe two. They could even have a losing record and still get their pro card. Skipped ahead in line in front of everybody who allowed that to happen. The boxing establishment. Conor McGregor, who was an—I'm not even going to call him a boxing novice. Is there a—is there a level below novice? That's where Conor McGregor is, and Dylan Danis, and all these guys, and their fans will say, "Oh, he had boxing matches when he was a kid back in Ireland." I don't give a shit. He's not a—he's not a boxer, right? Conor McGregor was able to get a pro card and fight in Vegas, in the most powerful commission on earth, against the biggest star. In all of fight sports of this last generation, Floyd Mayweather in his first pro fight. And it was sanctioned as a legitimate boxing match. And the WBC gets involved and throws a belt at it. That is 100% on the boxing establishment. I don't blame the fighters. I don't blame Floyd for getting free money. I don't blame Connor for manipulating his fans and getting free money from them. I don't blame them at all. The people that allowed that to happen and for it to be sanctioned as a legitimate fight that counts on Floyd Mayweather's resume. guys, the win over Conor McGregor counts on Floyd's resume as much as his win over Jose Luis Castillo, both of his wins. It counts just as much as his win against Arturo Gatti, Ricky Hatton, Zab Judah. Th- that's crazy to me, right? And again, I ain't losing sleep over it. I'm just saying. At the end of the day, I I can't blame the fighters. Even the MMA guys coming over, disrespecting the sport, doing a one-off and going back to their sport. I can't blame any of those guys. They're just taking advantage of a system that's allowing them to do this. And yeah, everyone else has to earn their shot. Everyone else has to toil away and make scraps. And that's all on the boxing establishment. That's who's allowing this. Now, if I were... You know, Mr. Montero, boxing commissioner, I would just put these fights in their own little category and call them exhibition matches. Exhibition matches have been a part of the sport going all the way back. Joe Lewis did exhibition matches, all these old school champions did. Ali had multiple exhibition fights, right? Uh, Against MMA guys or kickboxers, whatever it is, or maybe it was Muay Thai, somebody I can't remember the guy's name that he fought. Um, But those were all exhibitions right? There have been boxers that have literally fought bears, an actual bear. Okay. Those fights didn't count on their pro record. So if I'm in charge of this stuff, just make it an exhibition fight. Floyd got smart because Floyd, after the McGregor thing, he's continued to fight, but all the fights after have been what? exhibitions for multiple reasons. There are financial reasons and things like that. There are also things where he can fight in different jurisdictions. It's easier to do that if it's an exhibition, right? He doesn't have to pay money to the sanctioning organizations, the commissions, but also should Floyd, who's well past his best years now, right? Get somehow that some dude catches him with a shot. Wins the freaking lottery. It's like, you know, one in a million shot and knocks Floyd out cold. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying if it did, it doesn't count against Floyd's record. Floyd cares more about his O than he does his own children. And I'm not saying that to exaggerate or be funny. I, I mean it literally. He cares more about his O than his children and grandchildren. Seriously. And all his money, which he values very highly. That O is everything to him. So at this stage, he'll be fighting in his 50s. He'll be doing his exhibitions. Why not? If you lose one of them, it doesn't count. It doesn't count against your record. So that's just that's the way I would solve this. But don't expect the establishment to do that. So that's the only that's my only beef with any of this. These should not be considered real professional matches. Now, now let me say this. If you're, let's say Jake Paul or someone, uh, he's got what, six, seven fights by now. Had he done six, seven exhibition fights, I would look at that and be like, okay, this dude's a pro fighter now. Go ahead and give him his license and let's see. But if you're going to be fighting these MMA guys or an NBA player or something, yeah, I I just, I'm not going to consider that a professional boxing match. You have to fight an actual boxer. Then we can sanction it as a fight. Anything else, it's an exhibition. It's that simple. Just make that quick adjustment and boom, the problem's solved. Okay. Gideon P with a super chat. Thank you so much. He says, Fury being a boxer is very generous. Phrasing, LOL. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, For him to be considered a boxer and to struggle with guys like KSI and and Jake Paul, even though he beat them, to struggle just kind of shows the dude's level. I mean, it is what it is. He's got a name. That last name helps him out. M with the super chat. Thank you so much. And he just uh, has a smiley face there. So just giving some uh, appreciation to the show. I appreciate you. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, uh, Twal with a, with a comment here. I just want to get this because uh, he knows who this Dennis guy is. He says, this Dennis guy is a nobody in MMA. He's basically known as a troll and McGregor's sparring partner. He came to collect a check. The guy's Jake Paul boxed we're shot MMA legends. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for clearing that up. Cause honestly, I had no idea. So this guy, Dylan Dennis, isn't even good in MMA. Okay. Which just would show you his level in any sport, let alone boxing. So that kind of just, you know, that, that tells you right there. Um, why, you know, these, the, the, fights looked the way they looked, um, Papa Chubby says box rec has a new site for influencer records. That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. So, so maybe box rec will set that trend and we can put this stuff in its own category. Cause let me tell you guys, Jake Paul's fans, KSI's fans, they don't care if it's an exhibition fight or if it's sanctioned as a professional boxing match or an amateur fight. They don't care. They don't know what the difference is. They're just watching their guy KSI fight. They're watching the circus, right? And, and uh, you guys, you diehard fans. Um, you just want to see the circus, right? That's what a lot of you guys tell me. Dude, I just want to see the freak show. So if it was an exhibition match or an amateur fight, would you care as much? You'd still watch it. You'd still watch it, right? Um, what is it? Rough and Rowdy. That's a series they do out of West Virginia. One of my sparring partners has fought on that a few times. And they do one minute rounds. And it's kind of in between amateur and pro it's in its own little thing. It's only in West Virginia. And they, that state was able to sanction a whole different category for themselves and do these shows, no headgear, small gloves. It completely looks and feels like professional boxing. I think it's barstool sports that does it David Portnoy. So the production's very high class, but they don't count on a pro record or an amateur record. It's kind of its own little thing. I'm cool with that. And they have a, a, audience and they do okay with them. So cool. All right. Uh, that's enough of that. Let, let's get on to this other stuff, guys. Um, top rake boxing, Texas ESPN plus Janet Beck improves the 15 and oh with a TKO six win or Vincenzo Gualtieri unifies his IBF and WBO middleweight belts. Now I got to talk about this middleweight division real quick and I have to poo it. So let me, um, share my screen here. And let's look at these middleweight ratings. Now, Ring Magazine has the championship vacant. And at present, they have Gennady Golovkin number one in the division, even though he hasn't fought in what feels like 14 years. Um, I have to think after this weekend that Ring is going to bump Kanala up to number one because he will be a, he's a unified title holder technically now. So I, I'm basically taking Gennady off my ratings. When you don't fight in over a year you have nothing on the schedule, you're off my ratings. So I love Triple G, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's got my vote. And I, I really loved watching and being a part of, you know, in the media observer category, being a part of his, his rise and his title run. It was really, really awesome. But he's basically a retired fighter right now. I know he'll come back and fight once, maybe twice more and collect a couple big checks. But he's basically retired, right? He's not a serious level fighter anymore. He's off my ratings. So number one is Alam Kanala. And I guess by default, you have Carlos Adamas is number two. And then after that, it's the field. But you have Irislandi Lara, who I guess has the WBA belt. I don't know which WBA is 4,000 belts in each division. I don't know which one he has, but I guess he has the main one. You have an ancient Sergey Derevyanchenko, who's another knockout or two away from CTE um, and probably shouldn't be fighting anymore. Lara is a junior middleweight who's moved up. He does have the body to fill out at middleweight, and he'll be fine. He can compete against the best in a division right now. You have Chris Eubank Jr. He's fought in so many divisions. I don't know where to rate him anymore. I don't know if I could take him seriously. And then you have some newer guys. um, You have Liam Smith who's still hanging around, but this division is weak. I mean, it's bad. And the middleweight division gets a lot of love, um, in the media because it's one of the classic divisions. It's always been a part of boxing, right? So it's a storied weight class. But if we're being honest, guys, there have been in just in my lifetime, there have been some really weak eras in the middleweight division. And I have to, I have to highlight this. I have to bring it up because, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of people were bashing the last era, which I'll call the Golovkin era. A lot of people, and I think that there is an agenda behind doing it and some xenophobia and bigotry mixed in with that agenda because the names and faces were a little different. They thought, oh, this division sucks. This division, it's the worst middleweight division ever. That's what we were told. Right. Right. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, the Golovkin era gave us the Golovkin Canelo fights. So we had two, you know, epic high level fights, but you also had guys like Daniel Jacobs, David Lemieux, who are, are not necessarily, you know, hall of fame level guys, but they had good careers and made for some, some interesting fights at times. It wasn't the the best middleweight division ever, but compared to what we have right now, it was pretty solid. It was. It was it was at least entertaining because Golovkin, when he was trying to just get noticed and he was trying to clean the division out, he'd fight whoever he could. A lot of times it was B level guys, but what would he do? He'd beat their freaking brains in and be exciting, right? It was the big drama show. So um it was at least exciting, and then there was some um finality to it because you got the, the big fight with the top two guys you got two of those big fights so um right now dude i mean alam kanala is the, the top guy he's got two of the belts but if you look at who he had the beat for those belts pretty weak uh this guy vincenzo gualtieri i'm not trying to diss the dude or anything like that but he was not a world champion level fighter he just wasn't and uh, the fact that he had a belt, it was kind of crazy. It just shows where this division's at right now. If I'm top rank who represents Alam Kannor here in the United States, I just try to keep this guy busy. He doesn't have the personality Golovkin had. He doesn't have the willingness to go in there and maybe do the quote unquote Mexican style thing and take a punch to give a punch. He's not going to fight like Golovkin did. If you think about man, Golovkin would fight again against some B level guys, and he'd take punches from them. He'd eat punches to land his punches, he was willing to do that to get fans talking about him. This is something that they planned, like him, Tom Loeffler, Abel Sanchez, the, and, and Gennady's managers, they sat down and kind of strategized this and said, here's what we gotta do to get people talking about us. He was willing to do that. Olive Connell is not gonna be that guy. He's gonna fight more cautious. He's um, not gonna be, he's just not gonna do that. So, and he doesn't have the personality, He's just not going to be this crossover star kind of guy, but he's the best in the division. So if you're top rank, just try to get this guy another unification. Try to get him a fight with Irislandi Lara. That's going to be really difficult because the people that represent Irislandi Lara do not like to play um, with others. They don't like to cross the street often, and when they do, it doesn't go very well for them other than them getting paid. Can Lara really get paid well against Alam Kanala? The answer is no. So so I just don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know even know who has the, oh, the WBC belt. Uh, Carlos Adamas has the WBC interim belt. The guy who has the main belt is Jamal Charlo, who hasn't fought in 16 years, and somehow he still has the WBC belt. So I don't expect the WBC or the PBC, his management, to get involved and do a unification. This division is in shambles, dude. It's a complete catastrophe right now. It makes me miss the division we had in this previous generation with uh, Golovkin and Canelo. I got to add this too. Um, Briard Hopkins is considered one of the all time greats, you know, one of the best fighters in the history of boxing, one of the best middleweights. A lot of people ha- have him raked and they're like top five all time great middleweight ratings. Guys, go back and look at the middleweight division when Hopkins was running it and he became undisputed. Look at that division. It's it was terrible. It was terrible. It was pretty much on par with what we have right now. Maybe a maybe a, just a notch above that. And briefly, there were guys like Roy Jones there, James Tony. Yes, of course. When those guys were in the division, it was strong. But when they left the division, Hopkins during his actual title run was pretty freaking weak, dude. His two best wins were over welterweights who moved up. I mean, hell. Hopkins' best win was against Oscar de la Hoya. Oscar de la Hoya started as a lightweight. Okay. And then it was Tito Trinidad who started as a, as a welterweight. So let's just put that run into perspective and compare it to what we recently had. Okay. Also on this card, Keyshawn Davis uh, looked human in a fight that he won, but he looked human for the first time in his career. And some people are like, oh, he got exposed. He had a big scare. No, he's a developing prospect and he's fighting better opposition with each fight. And this was uh, a test. It was a step up in opposition. He passed the test, but he looked human. That's what happens when you step up. So um, I'm still high on Keyshawn Davis. All right, let's go to Australia, Queensland, Australia, Tim zoo improves to uh, 24 0 with the unanimous decision win over the very tough, rugged and iron chinned, Brian Mendoza. um Quick question for the WBC. Was Brian Mendoza not the WBC interim champion when he came into this fight? Hmm. Technically, should this not have been considered a unification fight then? It wasn't billed that way. I'm looking on Box Rack. I pulled up Tim zoo on Box Rack. He's listed as the WBO champ. The WBC interim belt just kind of disappeared. Hmm. Who is that protecting? Hmm. Who is the WBC full junior middleweight champion? I'm just seeing a pattern here. I'm just seeing a pattern. Just wanted to call that out. You guys correct me if, if I'm missing something here, but coming into this fight, Brian Mendoza, WBC interim champion. And Tim Zhu is elevated to full WBO champion. The WBO did the right thing in stripping Jermel Charlo. They actually did the right thing right now of all the sanctioned groups. The WBO is the one that follows their rules the closest. And I'm not saying there isn't some politics involved here because the WBO is known as the international sanctioning body. They, they, a lot of their champions are non-American. They are closely associated with top rank who doesn't play well with PBC. Jermell Charlo is a PBC five. Yes. There's some politics involved, but, They seem to do the right thing and follow their rules more than any other group, at least right now. And they did the right thing at 154. But, yeah, I just noticed that, that Brian Mendoza was WBC interim, and that just kind of went away when he decided to do this fight with Zoo. Because if Zoo were to become the WBC interim champion, once again, who is he mandatory for? Yeah. Okay, I'm just saying there's something to all this, guys. All right. So also speaking with the comparison between Zoo and Charlo, Charlo's Jermell Charlo's overall resume is obviously better than Tim Zoo's. He's been a pro longer. He's fought more top guys. Uh, although he's you know he's only fought one elite level fighter, and that was Canelo. Um, but over the last two years, I want to focus on the last two years from 2022 in 2023. Tim Zoo has defeated Terrell Gouche, Tony Harrison, Carlos Ocampo, and Mendoza. Charlo has defeated Brian Castaño. So in the past two years, not only is Zoo's resume better than Charlo's, it is on another stratosphere from Charlo's. So if you have that, I don't want to be sacrilegious here. Jamel Charlo is the... Unified title holder of the division, former undisputed. Okay. But you can make an argument, a logical argument, that the top fighter in the division right now, the best fighter with the most juice, the most momentum, is Tim Zhu. Because of what I just said. Over the last two years, Charlo has fought once in the division. Zhu has fought four times. And defeated pretty solid opposition for the most part. This win over Mendoza, don't don't underrate this win. Mendoza's a legit top 10 guy, and he's proven it. And boy, did he show a beard in this one. Um, so is Jamel Charlo gonna fight Tim Zhu? My guess would be no. He was supposed to fight him, I think, this January, right? And they claim that there is an injury, right? soon as the injury gets healed, they announce a fight with Canelo. Wait a second. If you're healed now, can't you fight your mandatory? Can't you fight Zoo? Because the reason you couldn't fight Zoo before is because you were injured, quote-unquote. By the way, was that injury ever proven? How serious was it? You couldn't fight Zoo because you were hurt. Well, now you're healthy, so can't you fight Zoo? Now we're going to fight Canelo. Here's what I think happened. (laughs) I think PBC... Charlo's management sat down and said, Listen, Mel, if we bring Zoo over here to America, we got to pay him a lot of money to get him to come over here. And you're not going to make enough money with a pay per view to get the money required to pay the purse you want and the purse he wants. The only way we can make that happen is if you go fight him in Australia, where this is a huge fight we'll get a bunch of foreign rights money and you'll get the bag and then he can get paid what he needs to get paid because he'll be fighting at home and it will be pay-per-view over there, et cetera, et cetera. I think they looked at the financials of this thing and the, the uh, analytics and they realized that Bell had to go to Australia to do that fight. They didn't want to do that. Instead, it's like, hey, move up two-way classes, fight Canelo, just make it to the final bell. Just don't get knocked out. Make it to the final bell. It won't hurt your branding because you'll be able to tell people, I dared to be great. And I didn't get knocked out. All these other guys got knocked out. I didn't get knocked out, right? And that's exactly what he said, by the way, after the fight. So just do that. Get your bag. You, could, you got the excuse of the weight and everything. You could say you went to distance when all these other guys couldn't. And then you come back down, you defend these belts, we'll try to get you a fight with Crawford or something, right? I think that's the way they went. And I expect that to continue. I I think we're more likely to see Charlo versus Crawford than we are to see Charlo versus Zoo in 2024. That's my personal opinion. All right, um, before I get to the preview, make sure I didn't miss any super chats here. Oh, JNM with another super chat. Thank you so much. He says, Howdy, Mike, it's been a while. Tim Zo versus Connor Ben is the best fight in boxing right now. Your thoughts? Congratulations on the family. Buddy, thank you so much. Um, look, in terms of commercial appeal over in the UK and obviously Australia, that is a big fight. it, it is. It's a it's a big fight. Uh Connor Ben is a brand. And um, he's very marketable. He is a brand in the UK. That would be a big fight. I think they need to build it up a little bit. But you're, you're absolutely correct in that they could do that fight in the UK and it'd be very big commercially. And, of course, they could do it in Australia. And it'd be very big commercially. I actually think it's a bigger fight in the UK. And um, there'd be a lot of money on the line for both of those guys. I think they need to build it up a little bit. But you're, you're right, dude. I, I can't disagree. Now, do I rate Conor Ben on the level of even Tim Zhu, who's still very unproven himself? No, I don't. But he's a brand. He's a brand. And that's what this sport's all about. That's what it's all about. Nacho asking if there's phones They No, guys, no phones. Um, I'm coming on early because this is the only time I can get away. And um, I'm going to rant on for maybe another 15 minutes or so and jump off here, okay? Um, I had to get it in early today. Uh, okay. Let's look at this Saturday, October 21st. We have in Liverpool, England on the zone, Jack Catterall versus Jorge Linares, 140 pounds. Jorge Linares still around, still fighting. Um, I would say normally, you know, I don't like this, but Catterall doesn't punch very hard. So this is going to be an interesting fight. It will be interesting. Inglewood, California on the zone. Alexis Rocha fighting Giovanni Santian, 147 pounds. That's it this weekend. And next weekend, we have Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou from Saudi Arabia. And then about a month after, oh, I'm sorry, a few weeks after that, Top Rank has an interesting doubleheader featuring Shakur Stevenson from Las Vegas, November 16th. And then we have David Benavides versus Demetrius Andrade in Las Vegas on the 25th, right around Thanksgiving. So that's pretty much all we got for basically the next month schedules kind of dry right um we're kind of limping out of 2023 we again we were told that this was the greatest year in boxing in the last 50 years you know maybe the best year ever i don't know guys i'm looking at the schedule for the next month and by the way the, the best fight on the schedule is benavidez andrade and who knows if that fight will be good or not we'll find out but on paper it's the best fight and that's on pay-per-view. I, I don't know how you justify that. And then Fury versus Ngannou, it's going to look just like every other one of these crossover fights where it's completely one-sided and people are going to be like, oh my God, I feel ripped off. It's going to be the same thing over and over and over. Uh, and that's pay-per-view too. So the biggest commercial fight obviously is pay-per-view and it's not even a real fight. It shouldn't be sanctioned as a real boxing match. It should be sanctioned as an exhibition fight. And then the best fight on paper is also a pay per view. So, best year ever? Best year in decades? Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. There have been some quality fights this year. We finally got Crawford and Spence. Like we're going to get. Um, in a way, he's going to get another undisputed championship against Topolis. Like there's some good stuff that happened this year for sure. But I don't even know if this is the best year in the last five or six years I, I really don't i think a lot of this has been exaggerated super chat from gideon p thanks again he said the last guy who dared to be great was Kel Brook. yeah you know what um you bring up a great point gideon um because you get a lot of this talk about you know daring to be great mikey garcia dared to be great against daryl spence did he or did he get a huge career high payday take one for the team to help build Errol Spence's brand and get, and uh, just go the distance. That's what I saw. And then um, Jermell Charlo dared to be great. Really? He avoided his mandatory long enough. To he avoided his mandatory for so long that he got stripped of his undisputed championship. And then he went in there against Canelo and sparred and, and ran and survived for 12 rounds. And then told everyone after the fight, Hey, at least I didn't get knocked out. Yeah. That's not daring to be great. So, so again, a lot of this, a lot of the slogans that you hear and the marketing campaigns and stuff, I I believe the boxing media for this stuff, because they play along. It's a pay to play scheme right now in this sport. And it's probably, it's pretty much like that in all sports now in all forms of media, but um, look, dude, there's a handful of people that are willing to tell the truth and just talk about what's really going on. Those people get attacked and blacklisted. It's just, it's an absolute joke right now. So, the whole daring to be great thing yeah, you know, who else dared to actually be great was Amir Khan. When Amir Khan fought Canelo Alvarez, he actually tried to win. When Brooke fought Golovkin, he actually tried to win. Those guys were truly daring to be great. They really, really were. But was Jermell Charlo? Was Mikey Garcia? No, stop with that. They they weren't. They were daring to get paid. <laughs> they were daring to get paid. They were daring to survive and get paid. That's what it was. Okay. Uh, hmm. Oh yeah, Papa Chubby brings up Oshaki. Oshaki Foster versus Hernandez. That's a, that's a decent scrap. Yeah, that's a good fight. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a couple of good fights on the schedule. But for the most part, over the next month, it's a little dry. It's a little dry. We don't have that that for me anyway. We don't have that super interesting fight that I'm really really excited about on the schedule. And usually, once a month or so, there's a fight where I'm like, "Ooh, that that's really interesting." It might not be the biggest fight commercially, but it's like that's that's an interesting matchup. And and I like the Foster uh, fight, Feister and Hernandez, uh, Foster and Hernandez. But again, it's not one of those fights where I'm like, "Oh my God, I got to see this. This is." Really, really awesome. Yeah, you know, it's just not on that level. Horizon 10 says uh zoo had only 34 amateur fights, but he is improving quickly. Yeah. Yeah, look, look, he's never gonna be as good as his father. He's not cost to zoo. But um in that division, which isn't the strongest, I do think junior middleweight is kind of overrated. Um, he's he might be the top guy right now. I don't know what to think of Jamel Charlo. Is he half retired at this point? Is he gonna come back at 160? I, I know that. They've been planning to move Jamal Charlo to 168 and have him fight guys like Caleb Plant and stuff. That's a a big fight in that bubble and in the, in the cult. Uh, it's really marketable to them for certain reasons. So, so they're gonna move Jamal up. Uh, that at least that was the plan. And when that happens, I'm sure they move Jamel up. And at that point, for certain, Zoo is the top guy. Uh, but he might be the top guy right now. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Maddie brings up a good one here. Um, Cameron versus Taylor, too. Um, yeah, you know, th- that could be interesting, or it could be more of the same and e- even more one sided. Um, so, um, oh, yeah, you know what? Papa Chubby brings up uh, Bam versus sunny That's a good one. All right, you guys, you guys are turning me around a little bit right here. Miguel is the same thing, Bam Rodriguez, sunny Edwards, also. Yeah, yeah, I mean, th- these are these are interesting fights um hell i might be more interested in rodriguez edwards than any of these fights um so okay um all right guys i think that's it for the show um thanks for listening to me rant for like an hour and uh oh uh, where's my music where's my music there we go i couldn't find the button um we will uh we'll do it again next week maybe For those of you who are just getting on and listening, my daughter turns one year old next Monday. So maybe I'll jump on and do a show and, um, you know, she can say hi to you guys and stuff. I don't know. I might just be having cake and ice cream and uh, (laughs) chilling with her. So we'll see, guys. But either way, we'll be back soon and uh, we'll chop all this stuff up. All right, guys. Enjoy the fights. Enjoy your week.